It's not like the movie Driving Miss Daisy. But that person becomes an integral part of their life. In fact, in many instances, the driver becomes a confidant. The driver knows almost everything. Because the driver oftentimes is in the front of the car, and when the person that he's driving around on a regular basis is on the cell phone, he can hear or she can hear everything going on, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And oftentimes, because you're with your driver so many hours, sometimes more so than with your own family, your kids, your wife, or your husband, whomever, the driver almost becomes like an appendage to you. You bounce things off the driver. The driver gets a very good sense of who you are, what you like, what you don't like, the way you think, and understands that as he or she is asked to confide more and more with you on different uh, subjects, it could be something of no importance, it could be something of great importance, it could be a family member, it could be a cultural matter, you'd be talking sports, whatever it is, the longer that person is with you, the more bonded you become. Now, what does this all lead into? The exit stage left uh, of uh, Keyshawn Sewell, who I told you was going, going, gone months ago. But then again, all the Weisenheimers in this business, oh, you're making it up. We'll get into that coming up. The person who has replaced her, they say the interim police commissioner, is Eddie Caban, a man that I've known quite some time and will be a great police commission. In fact, should be the permanent one and the first time a Hispanic will ever have been appointed the police commissioner by any mayor in the city of New York. It's a great achievement since the police department, NYPD, now is the most diverse of all uniformed services with Hispanics, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and others, uh, the minority majority. They will soon be the majority. But let me get back on track. The reason that Eddie Caban has climbed through the ranks and done so well, because these are political appointments at the top echelon of the police department. They don't come through civil service. Originally, the cops took the civil service tests like Eric Adams, and he was very proficient at that. I don't know how. He claims he was dyslexic, whatever. He was a test taker, and he became a house mouse and ended up with white shirt immunity. When he went beyond what civil service requires, and then the appointments are all political in the upper echelon. That's not the case in the fire department, although the mayor does appoint the fire commissioner. But let's get back on Eddie Caban. Eddie Caban and his brother became cops in the Bronx, who up in Castle Hill. They had to come up the hard way. There was no nepotism involved here. It wasn't a situation where 
strings were able to be pulled for them. They served in rough precincts. Uh, the new Fort Apache uh, in the Bronx to replace the old one on Simpson and Fox Longwood, I think the 48th precinct. So he had to bust his shoes. Now, while he was moving up the ranks, whenever he could, because cops do this all the time, I've seen this off-duty, they offer their services to people who are running for political office. The quid pro quo is that they may end up with a place in the administration or get a promotion internally within the police department. This has existed for years. Eddie Caban would drive from time to time, then Bronx Borough President Fernando Ferrer, who eventually ran unsuccessfully for mayor against Michael Bloomberg. And I believe he was a sergeant at that time. Uh, And it was very friendly with Freddie Ferrer. Uh, Years later, he became the driver for Eric Adams, Brooklyn Borough president, and they bonded. Everybody who has ever uh, commented on them said he truly developed a very good friendship. It wasn't just he's the driver, but a real positive friendship. And then eventually when he was available, he would drive Eric Adams, the mayoral candidate, still uh, the Brooklyn Borough president, to and from events. And there's no doubt he became a confidant of the mayor. Now, I happen to have known of uh, Eddie Caban through Johnny Gunji Rivera. He's the greatest club promoter of all time. He had clubs up in the Bronx. He also came from Castle Hill. Uh, Eddie Cranepool came from Castle Hill. We could go through a long, long list. But Eddie Caban was the number three guy in the police department. You notice wherever Keyshawn Sewell went, Eddie Caban was there because there was a lot that Keyshawn didn't know. She was not ready for prime time. I'll go into that momentarily. And Eddie Caban, very gracious, would tell her, this is what you should do. These are the people. But Eddie Caban should have been the police commissioner right out of, uh, out of the bat, and we wouldn't have been in this kind of Michigan. We really wouldn't have been. But again... How did he earn the respect, the trust of Eric Adams? Remember, Eddie Caban did not grow up with Eric Adams. Eric Adams grew up in uh, Queens. Eddie Caban grew up in the Bronx, Castle Hill. By providing the service of driving around, you're an attache, you're a confidant, you're a bodyguard, you're a driver. You got to get that candidate from place to place or that elected official from place to place. And he did an extraordinary job. There's no doubt about it. He was one of the best ever, but he understood the process. You put your your off hours, you, you dedicate it to a candidate running, and if that candidate wins, you may be able to climb up the ladder in the police department into an appointed position that's not civil service, that's at the top echelon, or maybe get other opportunities. Let me give you a timeline of how this worked out. Years and years ago, Pete Rozell was commissioner of the NFL. Powerful. Driving him around was Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell eventually became the NFL commissioner. He's the commissioner now. He was from uh, the town of Jamestown, upstate New York. His father was the Republican U.S. Senator Charles Goodell, whose claim to fame was he challenged President Richard Nixon on the Vietnam War. I applaud him for that. And he took a lot of political hits for that. He was considered a liberal Republican. In fact, he was appointed 
to the U.S. Senate seat by Nelson Rockefeller at that time because of the assassination of RFK, who was running for president, but was the Democratic U.S. Senator of New York at that time. Prior to that, he had served four terms. So he ends up in that position, Charles Goodell, and now there's a three-way race in an actual uh, run for six-year term. And who shows up from conservative? Uh, from uh, Connecticut, claiming he's a New York resident. I don't know how they pulled that one off. But uh, James Buckley, brother of Bill Buckley, who would run for mayor. So James Buckley is the conservative party choice. It's 1970. So you have Charles Goodell, who's the liberal Republican, and then you have Richard Ottinger, who's a liberal Democrat. And unexpectedly, conservative party, U.S. Senate candidate James Buckley wins. And serves a six-year term. But it was his son, Roger Goodell, who became the driver for Pete Rozelle. He heard everything. He learned the business by being the driver. I'm sure when Pete Rozelle was in that car, he heard the good, the bad, the ugly. Next stop, Governor George Pataki. Yeah, Luke, George Pataki, who had to climb the ranks politically from first being mayor and Pete Skill, and then assemblyman and then state senator. And then came out of nowhere to take down Mario Facha Brota Cuomo. Thank God we got three great terms from George Pataki. Twelve years. But in the interim, before he became mayor of Peekskill, after he had left Columbia University, he was driving around Nelson Rockefeller, the Republican governor of New York State, in his many trips around the state. And one of his duties were, towards the end of the night, if the governor was staying at a hotel, let's say, in Syracuse or out in Buffalo, his job, George Pataki's job, was to bring a bottle of Dubonnet and a package of Oreo cookies to, at that time, the richest man in existence, who all he wanted was Dubonnet and Oreo cookies. So you know damn well that George Pataki learned a lot as the driver. And probably from time to time, Nelson said, hey, what do you think, uh, kid? What do you think? They want me to do this. He becomes a confidant. But he also learns about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, where does that take us to? My husband-in-law, David Patterson. Yes, a recent, uh, a regular contributor here to the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion of John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, and also generally a guest with John on his guest maker segment, Sundays 8 to 10. He's always making headlines. He's always making headlines. He had a driver named DJ, who I met a number of occasions. I met him at Belmont Stakes when the governor was governor, and he was like, he was loving it all. And there was DJ. DJ was his gatekeeper. He was the driver. And he became the most senior person in David Patterson's administration. He was making about $150,000 a year. He was David Patterson's closest confidant, even though he had assaulted women about three times, three different occasions. Man, you had to go through DJ if you wanted to get to, at that time, Governor David Patterson. Because he had become David Patterson's confidant. And oftentimes, remember, you know the good, the bad, the ugly, and at times you're keeping uh, the guy you're driving around, whether it's uh, the governors or in the case of Pete Rozelle, out of trouble, out of double trouble. And let's face it, in 2010, had to do uh, had to do that a lot with Governor David Patterson. Again, 
The driver knows everything. The driver becomes a confidant. The driver, if he enamors himself or herself to whoever they're driving around politically, gets to climb the ladder. Who was on this morning, Lou, with Sid Rosenberg? Former Corrections Commissioner Bernard Carrick and former Police Commissioner. Did a great job as both. He first met Rudy in 1990. I met Bernard Carrick when he was an undercover detective patrolling the deuce. He had this ponytail. He was jacking up drug uh, drug dealers, and we were patrolling the area. That was 1986. By 1990, he was the bodyguard and driver for Rudy Giuliani's successful campaign to unseat David Dinkins because he had lost in 1988. So all of a sudden, in 1994, the correction department is out of control. Uh, Rudy inherits a Michigash, a mess. And he turns to who? His confidant, Bernard Carrick. And he said, please, you got to take over corrections. And he did a phenomenal job. And then when Safer, his second police commissioner, uh, not the friendliest guy in the world, was not getting along with black and Hispanics in the police department, and it was like a form of insurrection. Hey, Rudy didn't help it much at all. He was in constant battles with Al Slim, Shady Sharpton, no justice, no peace. He tapped Bernard Carrick, who had a great relationship with blacks and Hispanics, going back to his uh, days when he grew up in Patterson and went to East Patterson High School. That's right. Remember the movie with Joe Clark? Uh, the whole nine yards. So he was great at working with minorities. Bernard Carrick earned the trust of Rudy to this day. Rudy speaks so well of him. When Rudy had the laptops, who went with him to Pittsburgh, to the U.S. Attorney's Office? Who went with him to the Delaware State Police Department to turn this information over that they would not do anything with? It was Bernard Carrick, his most trusted aide, attaché, confidant. Where did they develop that relationship? In that car. Over numerous and numerous occasions when he would be driving them around. So look, when you hear that Eddie Caban is the interim police commissioner, and you really haven't heard much about Eddie Caban, he's not been anybody in the limelight, like Phil Banks, uh, who is the deputy of public safety who's been in the limelight because of uh, all all of his problems, uh, that he should have been washed out of the police department for. We'll get into that up next. Uh, and also this Jeff Madry. Oh, my God, what a piece of work. This guy, he needs to keep uh, the ants in his pants because they always want to dance. This guy is like chasing women throughout the police department in his career. And then, as you saw recently, walked into the 73rd precinct that he used to be in charge of. And got out a a fellow cop years uh, ago who served with him, who was retired, who had pulled the gun out on kids outside of his business in Brownsville. Instead of letting the process resolve it, which it would have, Jeff Madry had to go in there and show, I'm Mr. Big Stuff. You know who I am. And boy, Keyshawn uh, Sewell wanted to extract 10 days from him of vacation time. 10 measly days. And Jeff Madry, you know, had a little crying attack. No, no, you know, I am. Uh, you, you can't do that. And because he was a very dear friend of Eric Adams, as Phil Banks uh, has been over the years, Keyshawn uh, Sewell, not. Uh, he got preferential treatment. And then she was forced out. 
The guy replacing uh, her, and I hope he will be the permanent replacement, is Eddie Caban. Trusted attache, trusted, confident. Uh, He's loyal to Eric Adams. Eric Adams is loyal to him. He worked his way up through the ranks in the Bronx. Uh, And I've talked to him from time to time. He's loved the Guardian Angels. And our mutual friend, Johnny Gunji Rivera, he's... It's part of a great foundation that helps children in need. They have a serious medical disability. He's on the board, and I got to tell you, he does an absolutely great job. He is so dedicated to his career, to his family, and to uh, the Christian Rivera Foundation to find the cure for DIPG. Even Bodito said it was a good choice. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I know this guy. Can't say um, I'm best friends, and he certainly uh, was not communicating with me during the campaign on rare occasion uh, when he would call Johnny. Johnny was handling my PR. And uh, I would say, man, I'd really love if I win to have a Hispanic police commissioner. The Latinos deserve that. You would be my choice. And he said, uh, no. No, I'm loyal to Adams. And by the way, we're going to crush you. And we'd have a good laugh over it. He's a good man. He's a man's man. And he is a police officer who has earned his stripes that will have the respect of all the men and women in the department, and especially the growing number of Latinos, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Central Americans, Mexicans, who will have someone to look up to and be able to say, one day, I, too, as a Latino or a Latina, can be police commissioner of the most powerful and greatest police department in the world, the NYPD. Talking about this is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Great rendition by Gladys Knight and the Pips. You know, Lou, you superseded me. I would have taken the Marvin Gaye version. But you are right. This makes more sense because it's Keyshawn Sewell who handed in her resignation late in the afternoon yesterday. And you would have thought, surprise, surprise, surprise. I remember Goma Pyle used to say, you know, Jim Neighbors. By the way, Jim Neighbors would have been celebrating Pride Month. Every day, 24-7-365. One day I got to tell that story. How he got Roman Gabriel, the NFL MVP quarterback for the Rams, in such trouble that he lost all of his endorsements simply by driving him home. And Roman Gabriel got sick and didn't report uh, in to uh, play the next day. And uh, everybody knew that Jim uh, Neighbors was gay. Uh, anyway, that's uh, I digress here. But, oh, you would think, surprise, surprise, surprise. Even uh, 
Uh, our own Brian Kilmeade started the program. Can I hear what he said? Meanwhile, New York City, is near NYPD is going to need a new police commissioner. Keisha Sewell from Long Island, who had a great reputation in Nassau County, has quit her job after being in the role for just about a year and a half. Why? She wasn't allowed to do anything. Caught everybody by surprise. Well, he caught everyone by surprise, Ryan. Obviously, you're a busy guy there at Fox News, but I've been talking about this for months. I had it on good authority that she was going to turn in her papers uh, in late October, and the Eric Adams administration sort of uh, mollified her temporarily, but that was just temporary, and I reported on that back in October. Come on. This was not surprising at all. And then, oh, Peter King, oh, he's bent out. I guess he's no longer going to be an Eric Adams Republican. And Laura Curran, oh, the best, the great. She was the head of the Nassau County Detectives. What is that, 2,000 over there? She was elevated to become the police commissioner of the largest, greatest police department in the world. You don't get that from being the detective leader of the detectives in Nassau County. Come on. You know what the uh, truth was? This was a scene right out of uh, Damn Yankees, remember? The whole premise of those Damn Yankees, or Damn Yankees, the musical was, that the Washington Senators would always be lowly, and that if uh, this one Washington Senator made a promise to Diablo, the devil, Satan, Luther, that Washington would beat the Yankees, then he would have to go with the devil, into the bowels of hell. She made a deal, a damn Yankees deal. She knew that she would not be the shot caller in the police department. Now, how do we know that? Because remember, uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, uh, 22 years in the police department as a house mouse. He was not an active cop, was not busting his shoes. Said he was going on a nationwide recruiting uh, hope to find an African-American female police commissioner. He was very specific. It would have to be an African-American female police commissioner. And they interviewed quite a few people, including former Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best, who was there when they had to chop the zone, when they took over a police department. She would have been a horrible police commissioner. But when she wasn't chosen, she revealed what the criteria was. That if she was going to become the police commissioner or any of the other candidates, they would have to understand that they would be in the shadow of Phil Banks. That as the deputy mayor of public safety, he would be the shot caller. And they basically would be the eye candy. Let's be honest. They would stand there. They're good speakers. She was excellent speaker. Uh, nobody questions that. The former Seattle police chief, uh, Carmen Best, was a good speaker, but they would be rendered impotent. They wouldn't be allowed to do anything. And quite frankly, Keyshawn Sewell didn't know the operations in the NYPD. She didn't know who the main players were and how to get things done. So from day one, when she accepted that deal with the devil, just like in damn Yankees, She was assigned Eddie Caban, number three in the department, highest-ranking Latino, who should have been the police commissioner. He was the most prepared. He humbled himself. He was always at her side. He was there basically to guide her through the phalanx of all the different police department personnel, their egos, their histories. It's a difficult department to deal with if you were birthed 
in the NYPD. Extraordinarily difficult if you're coming from the outside. And you don't have uh, the experience necessary. Let, let's say Bill Bratton did when they plucked him and brought him in three times from Boston. Ray Kelly grew up through the process, 12 years longest uh, running police commissioner. So she knew what she was getting into. Thank God she had uh, Eddie Caban at her side to guide her through the process. But she was running uh, into flack constantly, and she knew she was going to get it. Phil Banks was the choice of Eric Adams, a lifelong friend. He would have been the police commissioner if he weren't tainted. Uh, In fact, Bill Bratton, even to this day, and Ray Kelly say nothing but good things about him in terms of his knowledge of policing. And I do, too. But he's corrupt. And at a time in which Preet Bahara uh, was investigating the sale of carry permits in the NYPD, they should not be involved in that business. It is it is a corrupt part of the NYPD and has been done so for years. He ended up uh, hooking up with Jonah Reichnesch and Jeremy Reichberg, two Orthodox guys who uh, wanted to peddle influence. Uh, they wanted to pay to have influence. And, in fact, they would go out and they would uh, lease uh, jets out of Teterboro Airport in Jersey, fly these cops, Phil Banks and others, uh, for the Super Bowl and other activities in Vegas. And along the way, Lou, uh, there would be uh, the uh, flight attendant, who is a hooker, uh, dressed like a flight attendant, who would go up and down the aisle to these cops, high-ranking cops, and say, Beverages, chips, BJs, beverages, chips, BJs, and she would orally satisfy them right there in the plane and then have sex with them in the hotel rooms. Whatever they wanted, they got because Jeremy Reichberg and Jonah Reichnitz provided it. Eventually, they were busted. One uh, decided to become uh, a, um, a witness, and the other ended up going to jail. In fact, they approached uh, Rob Astorino when he was Westchester County Executive. They gave him a Rolex. It cost him his election, his re-election against George Latimer. You know, these guys reached out to everybody, including they were whining, dining, uh, and pocket lining for Bill de Blasio. De Blasio was on the ropes. Preeper Howard was going to indict him. And then his lawyers went in and they said, well, he really didn't understand. We were the lawyers. We gave him guidance. Fernando Mateo, that Bill de Blasio Republican became a confidential informer because of his relationship with Jeremy Reichberg and uh, Jonah Reichnitz. Phil Banks was involved. He became an unindicted co-conspirator because why? He became a confidential informant. That's how you avoid that. And what he was doing is he always had a side hustle and he would launder money the way Street uh, drug dealers do thugs. They go in and out of ATM machines. They pull money in, they take it out. Money in, take it out. <laughs> this is what they do in the city. That's how you launder money on the down low. You don't go to banks in Antigua, the Cayman Islands, Panama, or in Switzerland. You do it right out of ATM machines. So they had him cold busted. He should have been, he should have been removed from the police department in perpetuity. In fact, in 2013, Phil Banks was the choice of Charlene McRae to be the new police commissioner for her husband, uh, Bill de Blasio. But Bill de Blasio made the only smart decision, and he overrode his wife, which he never did. He was her Maytag, and he said, no, I want Bill Bratton. And Bill Bratton said, yeah, I'll be the police commissioner. 
And then, you know, it was the role of the uh, Irish Mafia from then on. Everyone was Irish, 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 O'Neill and Shea. And, you know, and now, hey, the product of the fruits of your victory when you run for mayor is you get to develop the upper echelon of the police department, the most important agency in the city. And because Eric Adams won, it's BPIC, black people in charge, and he he's in charge. Hey, he won, fair and square. If I had been in charge, I would have reached out, no doubt, to Eddie Caban. Whether he would have accepted or not, who knows. But I had said I wanted a Hispanic, a Latino, a Latina police commissioner. They deserve it. It is the minority majority, soon to be the majority of the police department. But, hey, look, Phil Banks should not be the deputy mayor of public safety. He had nothing to do with policing. He has an office in the Verizon building. Why? He doesn't have an office in City Hall. He's the deputy mayor of uh, public safety. They made up that position for him. It hadn't been that uh, since uh, David Dinkins was mayor. He's not in one police plaza. He should have an office. He's in the Verizon building right next to the Brooklyn Bridge on the Manhattan side. He doesn't have to tell anybody who his visitors are like you would in one police plaza or city hall. And that's where they bring the loot. And Lou, you know, also uh, spends time there. Eric Adams, his best buddy, right? Come on. Come on. And then this Jeff Madry, right? I told you the story about him. He moved up the ranks, by the way. Very good street cop. Yeah, look, I got to give credit where credit is due. Jeff Madry, very good street cop, moved up the ranks. But then all of a sudden, he's over at the 75th precinct, the largest in the city, always an active precinct. Bodito used to be assigned there. And he was having a problem. And the problem was is that his driver slash assistant in the police department, he was snacking on on a regular basis, nonstop. To the point where eventually she's actually doing his ComStat figures because you got to get him in for each uh, and uh, every week so that they could be analyzed down at one police plaza. She is now Tabitha Forster suing the city for like a hundred million dollars because when she found out, now this is a married guy at the time, right? That he had other gumadas in the police department, she broke wild. She was crazy. She started to hit him, assault him. They're in a park, in Ozone Park. They're in civilian garb. And it gets very heated, you know, lover's quarrel. And well, let's face it, this guy had libido issues. She pulls out her revolver, her police revolver, and Lou puts it to his head. And actually, the residents of Ozone Park, 911, 911, all the cops are out of the precinct. They're rushing up the hill with their guns drawn. And at the time, the head of the 75th precinct, Jeff Maggi, Shows his badge. He goes, I got it. I got it. This didn't happen. You didn't see nothing. And, of course, the cops, you know, the blue wall of silence, they didn't see nothing. <laughs> and then three months later, somebody dropped on. And you know what? This guy lost 40 days vacation time for that. He should have been kicked out of the department, right? He was uh, he was thrown a lifeline. And this had nothing to do with Eric Adams, who he was friends with. By the way, it brings us to the point where Patty Lynch, you know, the PBA uh, president, outgoing, said, oh, Keyshawn Sewell is the best police commissioner. She was the only one we ever gave an award to as police commissioner in their annual convention up in the Catskills. Well, of course, because she never bothered the PBA about work rules. She didn't bust the PBA's chops. They knew she wasn't doing anything, couldn't do anything. 
She can only have one meeting every week, and that was Phil Banks with Phil Banks, her boss. On Sunday, she was not permitted to meet with chiefs, deputy chiefs, make any decisions, nothing. All she could do was come into the office, shuffle papers, and occasionally do an interview. So, of course, the PBA said, great police commissioner, doesn't bust our stones. Rudy Giuliani was the greatest mayor in our history. The PBA hated. They used to have demonstrations outside of City Hall. I remember seeing them. Zeros for heroes. Right, Patty Lynch? Come on. Remember? Zeros for heroes. So this nonsense, this revisionism, uh, let me tell you something. All I can tell you straight up is I wish the best for Keyshawn Sewell, but she made a deal with the devil uh, when she decided to play the role. But now you're going to have a really great police commissioner, Eddie Caban, joined the department with his brother James. He came out of Castle Hill just like J-Lo, just like Eddie Cranepool did, just like Johnny Gunji Rivera, their lifelong friend, uh, who is the c- club king. And I'm telling you, Eddie Caban has the respect of the police. He's a street guy. Went to Hayes. He's a Hayes man, just like the great Bernard McGurk that we miss so much. Tells you a lot about a person, what high school they went to. His brother James went to Spelman. You know why, Lou? Because he wanted to go to a Catholic high school where there were girls, too. Eddie said, no, 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 I'm going to Hayes. Man, uh, that's the best. Used to be a driver for Freddie Ferrer, a driver for Eric Adams. One thing I can tell you about the guy, he's got a great heart. He's a board member of the Christian Rivera Foundation. has been uh, so active for years to find the cure for DIPG. That's a... Brain cell cancer and disorder I've seen. Oh, my God, it ravages these young children. And a lifelong friend of Johnny Gunji Rivera, who we brought together with Eric Adams because Johnny is a great publicist, one of the best. And he was going to do the publicity for Eric Adams, all the social networking. They met at the downtown Marriott Hotel in Brooklyn. And Johnny, a stand-up guy, said, Eric, I respect you, uh, my very dear friend here, Eddie Caban. But Curtis last week told me he's going to run for mayor, and he's been a friend of mine. And no disrespect, but I'm joining Curtis's campaign. And, you know, nobody complained. Nobody complained because that's the business that we're in. This is the Riffin' Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. I can't keep up with what's been broken down. I think my heart must just be slowing down. I'm a human being in their design of Am I the only one who hears the screams and the strangled cries of lawyers in love? Oh, yeah. Lawyers in love. Oftentimes, when you listen to. Uh, Sit in the morning with his friends uh, and uh, <laughs> his fiend and foe, that's me. Seven, excuse me, five mornings a week, 7.05. But uh, I was honored to hear my name mentioned by the great attorney and his law firm, Tom Kniff, who is representing the hero Marine, Penny, 
originally from West Side Slip, who was living in the Lower East Side uh, when he confronted uh, Jordan Neely and put him in that uh, headlock to restrain him as he was going through his psychotic episode. This is what uh, uh, Tom Kniff told uh, Sid this morning about the case. Were you disappointed in how the mayor went from really being sharp on this to one of them? Yeah, you know, I was. And look, and there's a lot, you know, a lot I like about Mayor Adams. I mean, look, Curtis was my guy. There's no question about that. I thought he would have been the best choice. But, you know, sometimes in a city like New York that's so heavily Democratic, you got to take, you know, the le- you know, the best bad decision you can get. Right, right. right. You know, you talk about Curtis would have been a better mayor than Eric Adams. I believe that in my heart. I also know he would have been light years better than Alvin Bragg. You ran against him. But unfortunately, I don't think people knew who you were back then. So maybe you want to run again at some point. Yeah, I would suggest that. He ran against Alvin Bragg, Tom Kniff. I was proud to run side by side with him. He for Manhattan, uh, uh, district attorney put up by the Manhattan GOP and me for mayor. But then Arthur Idella, the crybaby, came on. And I couldn't believe what he said this morning. This guy, uh, I, I want to move to have him removed. I want a family vote. Listen. Listen to what Arthur Idala had to say. I would prefer to argue Harvey's case only because I tried the case. And you, know, you can say whatever you want about him personally, or even the, even you can say that he's guilty of everything. I'm not saying that. But, like, he did not get a fair trial, like, in any way, shape, or form. The same way Trump didn't get a fair trial in front of Judge Kaplan. Do you believe that he would compare Harvey Weinstein, the ultimate sexual assaulter and perv, to Donald Trump? Now, Lou, I see you're you're agreeing with me. We got to call a vote of the commission to remove him from uh, Sid's show. I know they're lifelong friends. Maybe Sid wants to recuse himself. But you're going to compare Harvey Weinstein to Donald Trump? The guy was found guilty in L.A. and New York. He's guilty, Arthur Idala. 